So welcome to another episode of the Danube Institute's new geopolitical podcast series, A Matter of Perspective, in which we will deal with the security issues of the ongoing U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. I'm Tomasz Orban, Research Fellow of the Danube Institute in Budapest, and my guests today are Laszlo Vasa, a Chief Advisor and Senior Research Fellow of the Hungarian Institute for Foreign Affairs and Trade, as well as Anton Bendorzewski, Director of Research of the Danube Institute, and Jeffrey Kaplan, an American-born professor and distinguished research fellow of the Danube Institute. Welcome, gentlemen. Before moving on to the possible implications of this withdrawal, I'd like us to talk about a bit um, the war in Afghanistan from a historical perspective. Can you summarize a bit the United States goals behind the um, Afghan intervention in 2001? And if you look at the past 20 years, how did they manage realizing these goals? Or to put it more bluntly, is the withdrawal a sign of success or a sign of failure? Oh. Anton. You have multiple questions. Uh, back in one, um, well, in the media, uh, sometimes uh, the journalists are comparing uh, American um, uh, intervention in Afghanistan to uh, Soviet Union's war in Afghanistan. However, there is a quite um, a difference between them. Um, Soviet Union at that time wanted to control Afghanistan to uh, increase uh, its sphere of interest. However, in case of uh, United States, the situation is completely different. Um, the intervention in Afghanistan was an answer to terrorist attacks uh, of um, uh, 2001. So basically, the main goal of, uh, of the war in Afghanistan from perspective of United, United States was some kind of uh, uh, retaliation and um, uh, and uh, uh, capturing uh, those terrorist organizations which were operating from Afghanistan, which were supported in part by the Taliban uh, uh, movement. So uh, they never wanted to, at least their primary goal was never to uh, establish a control zone however, to uh, make uh, the country or the region safe uh, at once and to show the world that uh, uh, it's not possible to attack United States because there will be a, a big retaliation against that. Uh, so uh, I, I think in, we have to, uh, uh, to, to check uh, American uh, uh, war in Afghanistan from this perspective, that the main goal was always to uh, attack the terrorists uh, 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 being there, and in this regard, they succeeded, right? The Al-Qaeda, in Afghanistan at least, Al-Qaeda was uh, uh, wiped out. Um, Osama bin Laden was killed in 2011. Uh, so uh, this part was successful from American part of, uh, point of view. Uh, however, uh, establishing a, a, safe, uh, a safe and stable uh, state in Afghanistan was a clear failure. It, they didn't succeed in that, but that was not their primary goal, I think. Um, Soviet Union did not succeed <laughs> in this regard. America did not succeed in this regard. And over 100 years uh, ago, uh, Great Britain, the British Empire, did not succeed in this regard to establish a, um, a European or Western-style state in Afghanistan, it, it, it has never worked and did not work in case of the uh, United States as well. Mm. 
So why did why did the Biden administration decide to pull out now? What's so special about this timing? Jeffrey, maybe you could tell us something about it. Well, essentially, the Trump administration were the ones that first decided to pull out, and they were defeated in the election. The Biden administration took the Trump um, deadline and pushed it back a couple of months. But essentially, it was America's longest war. It was, it had um, no end goals. And that's the problem whenever you get into a conflict. You've got to have objectives. And we never really did have an objective. Um, catching Osama bin Laden was the first. We failed to do that. Um, we stayed on and on because I think the specter of the American decision after the Soviet withdrawal was playing very much in everybody's minds. That we, the Soviets left, it left a vacuum and America could have stepped in, non-militarily, but simply to stabilize the situation. And the decision was logical enough. It would have been an endless drain on the Treasury and probably not successful. So they fell into an absolutely horrible civil war, um, tribal conflict, militia conflict, and essentially it became unlivable. So when the Americans failed to get the Al-Qaeda completely destroyed when Osama bin Laden escaped, um, were we going to pull out? And the decision was no. And in fact, they expanded into Iraq um, a short time later. So it was a, you know, it's a grand failure. How many lives do you want to give to a policy that really has no end, end game, that has no objectives? It simply got to be too much. Actually, it's interesting if you see a different uh, uh, perspective on the issue of Afghanistan from a point of view of uh, United States, uh, European point of view, or a, a Russian point of view. Um, it, of course, uh, and as we are present here in Hungary, in Budapest right now, we can talk uh, uh, in completely different perspective. Uh, United States in the last two decades was always talking about Afghanistan as success. Uh, if you check the um, uh, the interviews of uh, uh, Minister of Defense, for example, in 2004, 2005, uh, they were claiming that uh, uh, they managed to stabilize the situation, everything is going fine, now the women have uh, uh, much different uh, rights uh, than in, in case of Taliban. Uh, however, if we see the situation now, 20 years past the, uh, uh, the start of the war, we can see that uh, they did not succeed. The, the, um, the government which was established in Afghanistan is probably not going to, to survive in the next half year or maybe a year, but I don't think they will survive well. for the next year. If we check the perspective of Russia, they were always claiming that uh, United States failed completely. They um, uh, they are doing the situation as even uh, worse. Uh, uh, everything will be destabilized in Central Asia. It will have implications in, uh, to Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and to Russia as well. Uh, 
Um, so it's quite interesting to see how this uh, different perspective, uh, how they're colliding and, and what is the real situation. Because yeah, in part, as I mentioned before, uh, the primary goal I think was reached because uh, we didn't see such massive attacks on the uh, United States uh, since that time. Uh, Osama Bin Laden was killed, so the terrorist activity uh, in Afghanistan um, basically was, was cleared out. However, uh, the other part of, of the story was, was not a success at all. Thank you. Well, you touched a lot of issues from what I am going to ask you next, but um, let's jump into it. So now we're going to talk about the possible consequences, as you see it. First, we're going to start with the domestic level. Then we go for a wider regional level, and then we're going to see what's going to happen globally, who are the interested parties, and what implications it could have regarding Central Europe, if any, but I imagine it will. So there's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, um, you've already touched this, but I wanted to ask, how do you see the capabilities of this current government of Afghanistan? Will it be able to stand its ground against the Taliban? And if not, can we expect a swift takeover like in um, Vietnam? 1973. 73, yeah. exactly. Or uh, is there a possibility of a more complex civil war like in the early 90s in Afghanistan with different factions and tribal militias fighting each other for a prolonged period? Um, which one is more likely, Jeffrey? Um, I don't. I don't like to be pessimistic about a country I really love, which is Afghanistan. I just, it's a fantastic place. Wonderful people. You've been there, right? I've uh, been there yeah. many times. But the fact is both. Um, already, the Afghan military is in the process of collapse. A lot of them have escaped over the border. There is very little chance that the central government will survive. The Taliban, um, according to the American Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, as of today, um, is quoted as saying that the Taliban are inevitable. Um, they will take over. But will they be able to control the country? Nobody's ever controlled the country. They've never had a stable government. It's always been successful governments in Afghanistan have always been able to balance tribal alliances, always shifting. Um, the Taliban aren't able to do that. So there will be a momentary stasis. The Taliban said they're not the same Taliban that ruled before. They're the kinder, gentler Taliban. And women will be protected and everybody will be happy. When that doesn't happen, I think that um, tribal warfare, as is the history of Afghanistan, is inevitable. Mm -hmm. so, so you think... Um if the Taliban manages to take Kabul, the capital, and manages to impose a new regime, just as an interesting side note, how would, you, how would that regime look like in reality? Would it immediately mean um, introducing Sharia law, for example? Yes, would have to, because that's the, that's the Taliban's lead motif. But you'd need Sharia law, Sharia courts. Um, under the original Taliban with Mullah Omar, it was a very savage um, form of Sharia, and that's because the people who were enforcing it really had no education. They were not clerics. They were not um, ulama or men of religion. They were not scholars. They were guys who grew up with guns, 
and they took over with very, very limited um, Islamic education. That's changed a bit, and there's now two Taliban's, one in Afghanistan, one in Pakistan, and they're quite different. Um, be that as it may, do they have the means to actually effectively govern a country? It remains to be seen, very doubtful. Thank you. <clears throat> now if we uh, move to a bit wider regional level, and this will be an especially fitting question for uh, Laszlo and Anton, because both of you guys just recently attended an international security conference in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, um, which is by no coincidence that was organized during this withdrawal. What was your impressions at the conference? Um, what are the most important security issues and challenges of the neighboring countries face? Um, first, especially in Central Asia. Laszlo. <coughs> Thank you. Uh, well, the atmosphere of the conference was like an utopistic, uh, uh, optimistic uh, uh, issue uh, because the, the very high representatives of the neighboring countries and of the region, even the Russian foreign minister uh, was there in person. They were talking how to, how to connect uh, Central Asia and South Asia uh, in infrastructural uh, terms. However, if uh, Afghanistan is not a stable uh, point uh, between the two regions, how they want to establish any corridors, and um, yes, there were several plans uh, and, and uh, in the open and public speeches uh, uh, everybody expressed uh, the interest for peace and cooperation. And uh, as a side note, I, I would like to add that this is, this is uh, I don't know, the, um, <clears throat> it, is, it is again uh, an initiative which is coming uh, not, not uh, in an endogene way uh, from Central uh, Asia, but uh, by external uh, powers. Because if we, if we look at the, uh, on the region, then we can see that uh, Russia is having uh, interest, China having interest, for sure Pakistan and India. As a middle power, even Turkey uh, is, is having, and uh, Iran for sure. Uh, so it is absolutely not easy to find the common points. Infrastructure seems to be that point. However, once again, if Afghanistan fail, will fail, uh, we cannot realize any infrastructural project, but we have to deal probably the problem of migration. Uh, 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 back to the conference, uh, when, when we were discussing among each other, uh, so in an unpublic way with, with, with uh, key persons even from the, from the Afghan government, they told, yes, it is clear the Taliban will take over. Uh, however, the impression and the expectations are that that, that will, won't be so brutal uh, than expected based on the previous examples like uh, 15 years ago or something like this. Uh, moreover, uh, the neighboring countries already are doing uh, uh, publicly or non-publicly, I'm not sure, but officially they are already uh, doing negotiations with the Taliban, including Uzbekistan, including uh, Iran, including China, including Russia. So it seems uh, that the big and the middle powers are already prepared for this version. I just made a discussion uh, or a uh, conversation with an with a, a officer from, from, from the uh, Afghan government, and they told that they are 
not really expecting any big changes in the government structure. So, so uh, not everybody will be fired because, uh, because in this case the government wouldn't work. So for sure new ministers will come, uh, new state secretaries, but, but the, the, the officers will remain because uh, the, the state administration should be run somehow. Uh, so, um, uh, Anton, Anton uh, can, can uh, probably agree with me, but the, that atmosphere was really unique in that term, that, that uh, Af Afghanistan was, that time, it is meaning one week ago, almost fully occupied <laughs> by, by the time it was 80% of yeah, the districts uh, yeah. was occupied, and we were talking, even Kabul was endangered and bombed somehow, and we were talking about how to plan and uh, realize the corridor, uh, which is leading to, 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 the, to the sea. It is clear, it is clear that, that uh, we were allowed only to the, to the public discussion, so I'm sure that in behind uh, several very serious decisions were made, uh, and it, these will be clear and these will be announced in the coming weeks, I'm sure. I, I don't know how this Yeah, I, I can absolutely support your, your point of view. It, uh, it was a bit uh, surreal. Um, uh, there was the uh, Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, and uh, the President of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani. And Ashraf Ghani uh, made a keynote speech and he was talking about Force industrial revolution, digital revolution, and it was like everybody was listening to him. But on the other hand, at least myself, but I guess the people uh, in the big conference hall as well were thinking: Okay, we are talking about industrial revolution, but the country is about to collapse, right? There is a, a, a high probability of a civil war coming, and the president of the country is talking about the transformation, digital transformation of the country. So it was pretty. Uh, pretty surreal experience. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if the president of Afghanistan wanted to just uh, uh, paint a, a good picture about Afghanistan uh, or, or he's really not aware of what's happening with the country right now. Um, on the other hand, uh, it was also interesting to see how optimistic are the um, uh, Uzbek uh, uh, officials because uh, uh, in the recent, in the last weeks, uh, the, the fighting in Afghanistan uh, was happening at uh, Uzbek's borders and uh, Tajikistan's borders. And uh, several thousands of people fleed the, uh, the border and came to Uzbekistan, uh, mainly soldiers who, who were protecting the, the borders, Afghan soldiers. So they wanted to, they, they were seeking a refugee in Uzbekistan. So uh, it, it, it would be a problem for Uzbekistan. They can see that the Taliban are controlling now the borders of Uzbekistan, controlling the borders of Tajikistan. Basically, they are controlling the borders of Iran as well, I think. Um, uh, so it's it's starting to be an issue, at, and at the same time, I was talking to um, an official of uh, Uzbekistan, a minister appointed to um, uh, um, for Afghanistan's uh, uh, affairs, and he was talking about that. Well, if the government changes, uh, then probably it won't be a problem. 
if the Taliban, meaning that if Taliban is, are going to come to power, uh, because Uzbekistan has a neutral position to Afghanistan's internal affairs. So for, for them, according to the official, it uh, wasn't really matter if it's uh, the government of uh, Ashraf Ghani or the government of Taliban, because they are thinking that when Taliban come to power, if that will happen, they will, uh, it will be a completely different government than it was in 1996 when they uh, managed to grab control in the country. So they think they won't be so radical. They will um, uh, uh, they will give rights to women. What, basically, that's what Talibans are saying. But I don't think that we can really uh, uh, believe all of that without cri criticism because, of course, yeah, maybe we will see it in, in, a, in a year or half a year. But, but it, it's quite strange that the government was so optimistic about, about the changes. Thank you. Well, both of you touched the issue of um, migration and deserters at the border. Um, do you think the countries of Central Asia are prepared for uh, the inevitable wave of refugees coming from the, during the next uh, two to three years? And um, also, do you think that um, this kind of situation uh, will prompt some kind of central European solidarity between the five countries, or they will deal with it separately? Um, regarding the refugee issues, uh, Turkmenistan already built its fence <laughs> on the border, several hundred kilometers. I know it very well because uh, one of the Hungarian companies was a constructor for that. <laughs> and the owner is a good friend of mine. Uh, so. Um, it is a fact, uh, uh, and I'm not really sure that that the refugees will will uh, head to to the north. Uh, most likely, they will go to the west. Uh, that is at least the experience. Turkish colleagues reported there that already they got some few hundred thousands of refugees since the Taliban started to to uh, take over uh, on uh, the regions. I think they told 400,000 refugees they already they have from Afghanistan mm. in Turkey. And, and the government yeah. has not even collapsed yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for sure, uh, after the takeover of the of, of the government by Taliban, uh, I'm sure that uh, that especially the middle class will will wait. What, what the future brings, and thereafter they will decide where to go, but most likely uh, to the east and to the west, but not to Central Asia. Uh, for sure, these countries have some facilities and some, some, uh, uh, some uh, infrastructure for, for refugees uh, in this term, but, but um, as, as this, this uh, push by the Taliban seems to be quite quick, but, but it is taking place in several months, in fact. So those who are feeling uh, their life is endangered and their family's life is endangered, they already left. Uh, the question is Kabul uh, and, and how, how the, the new government will work and what kind of, uh, what kind of uh, uh, new laws will be introduced. But frankly, uh, the life in Kabul uh, under this government is, is not like in Western uh, countries. So uh, it is almost almost looking like a, like a Sharia law already because uh, it is forbidden to sell alcohol 
uh, for sure uh, women and, and uh, the children have right to go to the school and so on but 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 basically the system is very strict already uh, and uh, people just uh, just told that okay so if this if the government and the whole new system won't be harder than uh, Saudi Arabia then probably it will be accepted by the international community well I think for Central Asia it's, it's gonna be a, a real uh, problem um, Joseph Borrell, the, uh, the so-called foreign minister of uh, European Union, uh, uh, high representative of foreign affairs of the Soviet, of uh, European Union, uh, was there, and uh, he um, uh, he also said that this the, the um, Taliban coming to power in Afghanistan is going to be a real serious problem for Central Asia because of question of stability and the question of of uh, radical Islamism, um, because right now the countries of Central Asia and in political point of, point of view, we are talking now about Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, uh, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan, uh, they're mostly uh, uh, quite secularized countries. So you, you, you won't see um, uh, any kind of radicalism in these countries. Uh, you can buy freely buy alcohol, people, uh, and people are quite consuming it. Uh, the rights of, of the women are uh, respected. They are represented in the parliament. They are working. They have higher education. Um, uh, you can see matches, of course, in the in the country, but they are not so uh, um, widespread. I mean, it's not like they are uh, they are on every corner. Uh, um, so, uh, and it is the heritage of basically of the Soviet Union that uh, these countries are not so. Um, uh, radicalized as, uh, as for example, uh, uh, countries in the Middle East. Um, and in the last years, uh, maybe it, it also started in the 90s, I, I'm, I'm not sure, sure about it, but uh, especially uh, because of um, the spread of the new uh, digital technology, the spread of this radical uh, Islamism made, uh, um, is becoming much easier. Uh, and because um, um, the Taliban movement, which is known of uh, their uh, 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 radical uh, Islam, Islam, Islamic direction, uh, is going to be a neighbor of these countries. Um, the spread of, of, uh, of these thoughts uh, uh, has already started. Uh, for example, in the Russian media, you can, uh, you can find, uh, or in the media of Central Asian countries, uh, you can find uh, more and more uh, concerns uh, about it, um, and the spread of, uh, of radical thoughts in Telegram channels, in uh, uh, in encrypted uh, channels among the youth. The youth, it's it's already happening, and uh, this 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 might be an issue for for the countries. And now coming back to Uzbekistan, which uh, organized the uh, the conference, uh, which we've been attending to. Um, Uzbekistan uh, made a tremendous uh, transformation in the last five years after um, the current president, Shavkat Mirziyoyev, came to power. Uh, they want to be a regional uh, power, uh, and actually they are bordering each of the countries in, in Central Asia uh, around them. However, it won't work if there is a country with a civil war, war going on in, uh, in the neighborhood. The country which has, uh, uh, which is spreading radical Islamist uh, soul, uh, thoughts around it, 
Um, so for, for Uzbekistan uh, and the cooperation of the Central Asian countries, it's really uh, an important issue to have a stable uh, a country right uh, in, the, in the neighborhood. So it, it can be a really game changer if Afghanistan changed in a, in a different direction. So if I understand you right, uh, is there a possibility that Uzbekistan is going to intervene in some way, maybe not militarily, but um, diplomatically or economically? Well, based on their optimistic approach, <laughs> it's, uh, right now it's kind of unlikely. So uh, they, they're really hoping for, uh, for the best, that uh, some miracle will happen in Afghanistan. And, uh, uh, but even if Taliban won't spread their, uh, their thoughts around uh, uh, to other countries, we have to remember that, uh, and I don't want to be really negative about the Taliban movement uh, uh, and so on, but um, uh, they, they, they were hosting, or basically they were allowing the presence of other terrorist organizations on, on the territory of Afghanistan when they came to power in 1996. Uh, for example, Al-Qaeda was one of them, but there was around 30 or 40 other terrorist organizations. And uh, we, we, we can't hope for the best that uh, uh, right now when they come to power, they won't support or uh, not support, but at least just let, let them leave uh, on the territory of Afghanistan. And this can be a real danger for everybody, everybody around Afghanistan. Mm. Thank you. What about the Middle East, though? Because that's, that's a whole different issue uh, than Central Asia. And um, <clears throat> Jeffrey, can you tell us a bit about the possible implications of this instability um, in terms of the Middle East uh, power structures or dynamics? Um, the Middle East would be a very big question in terms of the refugees to make it a, a smaller, uh, more easily, easily handled question. The countries that are most involved would be Iran and Pakistan. Iran is very concerned because there is one Shiite tribe in Afghanistan, the Hazara. And the last time the Taliban were in power, they, when they had nothing better to do, they would attack the Hazara. I mean, it's, it's a national sport. A lot of people were killed, and the Hazara um, looked to the Iranians because of the Shiite connection. There is very likely to be an, ex an exodus to Iran among the, among the Hazara, and that would be something Iran is not, doesn't wish and isn't really prepared for. Pakistan has a bigger issue, which is the other wing of the Taliban are there. The Haqqani network is there. And to try to talk about the Taliban just in isolation in Afghanistan is interesting, but they don't exist in isolation. They're very connected to the Taliban in Pakistan, which is a much more radical organization these days. So there's a push-pull there. Um, there will be refugees traditionally escape through the tribal territories into, into Pakistan. So these are the two countries that would be most immediately affected. The Gulf has its own problems, which is that they're largely an expat um, workforce. And radical ideas go through the, through the expat community into these countries. And working in Saudi Arabia for a couple of years quite recently, um, it has a huge impact, even among people who are from military background. Um, in talking to or training these young, young cadets, Almost all of them 
had family members who joined um, a radical movement, particularly Daesh or ISIS. And these ideas simply permeate um, the Gulf region. So you can't, uh, you know, to talk about Afghanistan in isolation or in simply regional terms is extremely important, but there are global implications and they're fascinating. You know, it's, 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 that would be a podcast in itself. Well, that's what I want to move on to, the, uh, yes, the global consequences. Um, do you think, any of you, that the withdrawal will cause significant changes in the current spheres of influence of the world powers um, active in the region? Or this is simply not the Cold War anymore? Um, better yet, does the U.S. leave behind a power vacuum, such a power vacuum that it will be necessarily that other global strategic competitors will show up and try to fill that? Actually, already showed up. As, uh, the U.S. has no more interest in the region, not only in Afghanistan, but uh, but also not for for Central uh, Asia. Actually, the Western powers are not interested in, in Central Asia. So, logically, China and Russia uh, appears, in the case of Afghanistan, for sure, Pakistan and also India is, is quite active. Um, but when it comes to the broader region, Central A in Central Asia, the, the game players are Russia, China, and more or less uh, Turkey. Uh, Actually, what, what the European Union representatives told on this conference, it, it was going about, about the nothing, completely nothing. Almost the same for the US high representative there. Uh, so um, it, it's absolutely clear that they don't care anymore. For sure, they would like to increase the trade and probably investments in the region, but they have no more interest how to make a better democracy. Uh, it failed anyhow, and uh, they not really need it uh, in the region, it was clear. And thus, when it comes to the European Union, which is not a power, um, I, I just wrote a, an academic paper on it some one, one year ago. On, uh, that was a kind of criticism of the EU new, uh, let's say, new uh, strategy on Central Asia, which is still going about the nothing. So it is absolutely not clear what the European Union uh, uh, is, is, is willing to do there and what are the plans there out of the gender balance and, uh, and the democracy and how to support uh, the, uh, the market economy and so soft things. Uh, and U.S. just left. So uh, for sure, uh, the U.S. is somehow is having some uh, very good connection, let's say, with Turkmenistan, which is a surprise uh, because we, we, we know only really few things about Turkmenistan, but they are a big friend of, uh, of the U.S. still. Uh, but they have no more bases uh, in the region anymore. And if they have no more bases, but the Russians have, uh, then then it is absolutely clear uh, who who can who can uh, be the players. And uh, and as I, as I mentioned, uh, China and Russia both they are they are having negotiations with the Taliban and both of them are having a big impact uh, on the on the central asian countries and economies well, well yeah um, i partly agree uh, that for, for russia and china are the one who are competing now in the region from central asia for sure 
However, in terms of Afghanistan and uh, definitely the question of the power vacuum there, I think it's more of a headache for them, for, both for Russia and for, for China. Uh, I think they don't really know what to do now with Afghanistan because uh, apparently even United States did not succeed in their operations in Afghanistan. They poured a lot of money in the country. Uh, at the highest point, there were, I think, 180,000 American troops allocated there, uh, and they did not succeed in stabilizing and transforming the country. Um, uh, and now, uh, I think Russia is, is pretty concerned about uh, the destabilization of, of the region. Um, we know that Tajikistan already asked for, for help uh, of Russia, asking for, uh, because of the possible migration crisis and the destabilization of, uh, of the border control. Uh, and now, as United States is, is going away, Russia has to deal somehow with the problem. And I, I'm not sure they're prepared for it and they have a, a, a prepared answer what to do with Afghanistan right now. I would disagree in part with that, which is they're dealing with the Chinese. Because six or seven years ago, I was working in China. And one of the most ambitious parts of the One Belt, One Road plan was development in Afghanistan because they are incredibly rich in resources particularly mineral resources. And the Chinese were simply waiting for things to stabilize enough for them to move in economically. And you would hear discussion um, among Afghan intellectuals that say, well, this sounds an awful lot like the road that the Russians built <laughs> once upon a time. And we, you know, it was a north-south road. It was our first paved road. And we knew they were going to come rolling down it. And the Chinese will as well, but not militarily. Um, economically. And economically, they could have a tremendous impact. So I think China has a lot to benefit. Russia has a lot to worry about. And if, um, going back to what you said, Laszlo, about the European Union, um, perhaps they will care about Afghanistan when a, another refugee wave comes. Do you think it's a possibility? Uh, in the European Union, uh, what's going to happen in Central Europe or regarding Hungary? Um, can it be another problem like what we've seen in 2015? Sure, it can. <clears throat> but, uh, but the key uh, there is Turkey, uh, for sure, because Turkey can stop these waves. Uh, the question is whether, whether Turkey uh, has any plans to stop them or using them uh, against uh, uh, Europe for their interests there. Um, and, but but after, after the Taliban will take over, it's a good question what, what any power, I mean Western power, uh, could be do there. Because at this stage, as far as I know, uh, let's say the European Union expressed that if the Taliban uh, comes to power, they won't negotiate with them because they are terrorist uh, or representing a terrorist organization or things like this. It's a good question uh, how this approach will be changed when in fact the Taliban will govern uh, the country. But at least uh, negotiations and discussions with, with Afghanistan would be needed uh, in case of this kind, type of emergency of, of refugee situation somehow. But the question is whether, whether uh, these negotiations will take, uh, 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 will, will uh, occur or not. 
And I know at least another power uh, besides Turkey, who, which can use <laughs> the situation with the migrant crisis, is Belarus. Because uh, in the last uh, one and a half months, they were uh, intentionally sending uh, migration flows to uh, Poland and the Baltic countries, mainly Lithuania. Um, uh, it was part of the policy after the, uh, the famous Ryanair incident uh, in May. Uh, um, they said that all the migrants who came basically through, uh, it, it either through Russia or directly to Belarus, from Afghanistan, uh, Iraq, or Iraq, for example, or even Syria, uh, they said that, okay, now we are not uh, helping them, and uh, they even showed uh, uh, the path to, uh, through the border uh, to Lithuania. So Lithuania is, is building a, a big fence now uh, on the border of Belarus and, and, and Lithuania. It's like 500 uh, kilometers uh, long fence, and European Union is actually supporting uh, financially. <laughs> the building of the uh, of the fence, so it's an issue uh, uh, for European Union and, and Belarus is also another country which can use uh, uh, the migration flows uh, in their political in intentions. Uh, and as we see that uh, the migrants from Afghanistan are going to Uzbekistan, to Tajikistan, so to the nearby borders. Also, Pakistan claimed that they have at least three million three million Afghan. Uh, uh, um, uh, migrants uh, allocated there. Uh, it's a, a growing issue, and uh, it's of course it's an important question of security. Uh, another question uh, for uh, Central Europe as well. Uh, as I mentioned before, that Uzbekistan's um, uh, transformation policy um, uh, made real good opportunities for. Um, European companies to come to the country. Uh, uh, Hungarian companies, for example, are already present, present at, in, in Kazakhstan, and now they, uh, um, they're coming to Uzbekistan as well. So if the situation will uh, worsen in Afghanistan, which could affect the nearby countries as well, it could endanger the, uh, uh, the Central European capitals and their um, opportunities which uh, have risen uh, in the past decade. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your participation. Uh, it's been a, a tremendously interesting discussion and I hope we can meet one year from now and see if we were spot on, uh, spot on or um, what we have missed. Thank you for being here and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Good